Welcome to another episode of Outdoor Adventures right here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and com. Also heard everywhere in the world on the iHeartRadio app. Just search Outdoor Adventures, and you can find all our past and present episodes there. I'm your host and producer, Stan Poggle, and my co-host, legendary guide and freshwater fishing Hall of Famer, Chris Kudak, alongside, as always, Kudak, and we got a pretty action-packed show here today. Uh, we're uh, still waiting to hear from uh, Dean Hansen here. We're going to chat a little bit about the uh, Mille Lacs situation and the latest going on there. We'll also chat with our friend uh, dog trainer Jerry Sather from Labs Unlimited Kennels a little bit later on, and with the governor's deer opener coming up and you getting yourself in trouble up there in Grand Rapids, Kudak, we thought we'd get some uh, deer hunters on. So we have the folks from Crow River Quality Deer Management, buddy of mine, Charles Thayer, who also uh, hosts the Home Improvement Show here on News Talk. He's going to be joining us a little bit later. So sounds like we're going to have a fun show today. Yeah, yeah, we got, you know, it's, it's that time of the year. I mean, uh, the youth goose hunting, duck hunting is going on. That, that's going on. Bear hunting is going on. Uh, a lot of stuff on the Lacs going on. They got a big deal on walk on tonight. A uh, big band in there. Uh, next weekend is the Lacs car show. So if you guys uh, want your muscle cars to show them off all clean and fast and all that, all that you can get a hold of Daryl Stimler up here at Malacca. We got that posted on our web page, so you can get all the information there. And I got to sh- give a shout out to. Daryl Stimler's brother down in Elk River. He's one of our faithful listeners, I found out the other day. So, Mr. Stimler down there in Elk River, uh, thanks for listening to Outdoor Adventures. And if you guys got any questions, feel free to give us a call. Stan will give the number out a little later. But we do have a fun-filled show coming up. And Jerry Sather's got a good story about a dog that he trained for a gentleman that's got got a handicap. So he's going to talk about that. He's out in North Dakota, I believe, doing some... uh, dog training, mm-hmm. and Dean Hansen, well, we'll get a little information about what's going on with the Mille Lacs deal. He's on the committee up there, so it'll be, it'll be, you know, to get the inside scope, that's the guy to talk to, so hopefully we can get a hold of him here to, during the show, and, and he can enlighten us what the what the DNR did and why they did it and what the whole deal is. Well, while you went on your uh, excellent explanation of what's happening here on the show i was scrambling and i did get a hold of dean hansen so let's bring him on right now dean hansen of agate bay resort there on malax and uh, i believe dean you're also on the advisory committee correct yes i'm one of the co-chairs of the malax fisheries advisory committee or what we call milfac so uh what's the latest scoop i've been seeing a lot of stuff online and on facebook and reading articles and and uh, there's a lot of hoopla out there, I'll put it that way. So uh, can you give us kind of the gist of what's going on? Because I think it's really confusing to a lot of people, um, including myself, uh, that aren't up in that area. And, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, bad publicity out there that we'd like to stomp out as well. Well, there's it's really an ongoing controversy right now. I mean, we discovered an agreement that the DNR had made with the band um, covering the overage from last summer. As you probably remember, um, the governor kept the season open after we had reached our safe harvest allocation, and we ended up taking another 6,800 pounds of walleyes out, we being the state anglers, uh, and the band was very upset about that. Um, they ended up not being able to resolve that issue at uh, the technical committee meeting level, and it ended up going to dispute resolution, which is 
I'm not an attorney, so take this with a grain of salt, but it basically is kind of a arbitration type thing where they try to get together and resolve the problem without it going back to court. Um, the problem is the DNR made an agreement with the band and never told anyone about it. It was a, a well, they don't like to call it a secret agreement, but we call it a secret agreement. And we uncovered the agreement, and we were shocked, to say the least. I mean, they had discussed some parts of it with us, but not the most controversial parts of it. Um, the document had never been shown to anyone, and, and if the document also... If I can read you something, the opening paragraph on the document said, this document is subject to the attorney-client privilege and protected from disclosure. Department resources may waive the privilege, but no waiver should occur without the express written permission of the governor, commissioner, and or deputy commissioner. A copy of this memorandum should be distributed only to employees whose input is necessary to resolve the issues identified in this memorandum. Copies of this memorandum should not be included in any files which may be requested by private parties. Hmm. Now, we found that very disturbing. Um, you know, we're supposed to be an advisory group. We're supposed to be aware of what's going on. We're supposed yeah. to have input into some of these things. Now, I know we're not allowed into the technical committee meetings, and we give no input in that area, but we certainly thought we should have been made aware of all of the provisions of this agreement on a subsequent basis. Well, um, not only that, but, I mean, it, it shouldn't the public as well, not only the advisory committee, shouldn't us as as regular outdoorsmen know what's going on as well? I definitely think so. I mean, we, or I shouldn't say we, I actually wrote a letter to Commissioner Landwehr and complained about that. Um, not only complained about the secret nature of the agreement and that it had never disclosed to us, but we thought the agreement itself for 6,800 pounds, I mean, I, I know you may not be that close to the Malak situation, but 6,800 pounds is not an earth-shaking amount of walleyes. I mean, no. 6,800 pounds is probably less than a couple weekends in the summertime of that. The DNR had said on more than one occasion that they were confident there was no impact to the walleye population, to the spawning stock biomass, or to the 2013 year class from this overage, and that it didn't harm anything, yet the DNR had to go into dispute resolution and concede a lot of things to the band as a result of this. I mean, we just don't see why we had to go to this extreme over 6,800 pounds. Um, the other thing that uh, we found very distressing, and it was never told to us or anyone else, is that the state agreed that in 2018, 19, and 20, if the uh, allowable safe harvest was to rise, the band would get 50% of any safe harvest amount over 64,000 pounds. And, so and they if you would, remember, they would take... everybody brings up the year 2013. In the year 2013, the governor's opener was up in Brainerd. And I come down for a guide trip on the west side of the lake on 2013. And the lake was froze over. That was when the big deal with Channel 5 come up, when they had all the ice coming up in I-80s up on the shoreline, because there was never a net put in the lake in the year 2013. So now we've got our year class there. Why is it such a year class from 2013? Because there was never net in the lake. So... I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. Where did the DNR come up with this data? Because it was open for two weeks last year or three weeks, where did they come up with this data that these fish are dead? I don't see any fish floating, and I'm out there all the time fishing. 
I mean, that's the problem we have, a big problem we have. I mean, these, that is the point, too, is the 6,800 pounds were not harvested fish. No one had a walleye dinner out of those 6,800 pounds. No one had a walleye harvest out of an awful lot of the fish that they said we took last year because it was all paper fish. It wasn't real fish. It was paper fish. It was their calculated hooking mortality based on some really wild assumptions that we don't agree with. I mean, it's hard to have the kind of impact they're having on the area, the economy, the fishermen in Minnesota based on these statistical analogies, whatever, that no one really can prove. I mean, you can't prove that we were that we took 6,800 pounds too much. Uh, again, like I say, they're paper fish. So we had a really serious problem with that. They, uh, they also agreed to a method of calculation of what the allowable harvest would be based on what the 2017 fish were. We were never told about that. They agreed to be... Uh, Constrained by the existing hooking mortality study, we have a lot of problems with that study. We've issued recommendations to Governor Landwehr that the hooking mortality should be eliminated until they can do a better job of calculating it. I mean, it's there's just a lot of issues with it. Now, the, the Commissioner Landwehr did respond to that, and it's this one's going to get you too. He said, well, no, what you have a copy of was not the final agreement. That was a draft agreement. When we finally issued the final agreement, it did not have that restrictive paragraph on the front. Mm -hmm. And they gave us a copy of another agreement. The agreement was exactly the same. All it had was missing the first paragraph. The signatures on the back were exactly the same. I mean, it was a photocopy of the signatures from the first one, according to my eyes. I'm not a signature expert. But I I, I sent another letter back to Landor, and I said, well, first off, those signatures look identical. And secondly, the representative from the DNR, whose name's Don Pereira, he's the director of fisheries, mm-hmm. signed it for, signed, signed both of them apparently on March 31st. Now, why, if you had a draft and you had a final, would he sign the draft? Yeah, that doesn't sound sound like things are adding up. Uh, we have to take a quick break. We'll have about two minutes when we come back here, Dean. But uh, I want to uh, get uh, more information out of the listeners on this and uh, where they can find you as well. So we'll have that when we come back. We're chatting with Dean Hansen of Vega Bay Resort and the Malax uh, Advisory Council here on Outdoor Adventures. Alongside Chris Kudak, I'm Stan Poggle. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and Feel free to call in, 651-989-5855. Adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 1035, and com. What do you think of that one, Kudok? Yeah, that is a fantastic one. So uh, we're chatting with Dean Hansen here of Agat Bay Resort and the Mille Lacs Advisory Council. And uh, Dean, where we left off, uh, you were... Um, informing us kind of what uh, sounds like a little bit of shady uh, dealing going on. But uh, before we wrap things up here, I wanted to uh, give you a chance. Uh, where do people get more information? Where where can they find uh, some of these studies and or uh, scientific uh, experiments, have you? Uh, where can they find some of this stuff? Do you have that on your uh, advisory council uh, site or... 
I do not, but if someone would like to contact me, I'd be very happy to make sure they get copies of some of this stuff. A lot of it is on different uh, fo- uh, fishing forums. Uh, Steve Johnson from Johnson's Port Side, I know, has put the document on his Facebook page. Uh, otherwise, they can contact me. Um, our phone number is 320-684-2233. Um, they can uh, email me at agatebay1956 at gmail.com, or our website is agatebayresort.com. I'd be happy to help anybody answer any questions that anyone has or get them copies of some stuff. So it's it's a frustrating situation. I mean, it's certainly... The DNR doesn't agree with uh, um, our position and says that it was a mistake on their part. It was an oversight that it wasn't distributed, but they've had six months to distribute, and it hasn't ever been distributed until we found it. So So where do we um, go from here then, Dean? I mean, what's the next step? I mean, is this concrete? This is going to happen through the year 2020, or is there still some wiggle room, or is this a done deal, or how does that work? To the best of my knowledge, it's a done deal. I mean, I know there's some legislators that are very interested in this. Some of the uh, legislators like Senator Ingebrigtsen and Representative Fabian, who are over on oversight committees of the DNR, they have expressed interest in this and are following up. I'm not sure what level of uh, oversight they have on the DNR and what can be done about this. To the best of my knowledge, it's a done deal, but I think it certainly there's a lesson there for the future. I mean, the public needs to be more aware of what's going on. Um, I, I just don't think it's right. I mean, they still try to characterize it as a not a secret document, but I don't know. There's an old saying, if it looks like a duck and swims like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> it's probably a duck, and yeah. I think that uh, has a lot of application here. It certainly yeah. looks... Uh, swims and quacks like a secret document to me, so sure. I don't know. Next question for you, Dean, if we got a minute here, Stan. we got this big Bassmaster tournament coming up this week, right? And yep. these guys are out. There's 50 boats, 50 pro bass guys, and they're out pitching plastics because they can't use live bait. Well, you know, just like I know that, you know, you're going to catch walleyes doing that. Does that go against uh, the kill quota for our, our quota? Yes, it does. It's in the hooking mortality calculations. That's why the state dipped into their 11,000-pound conservation cap because we, again, and these are all paper fish. I mean, no one's seen a dead floating fish that corresponds to this. It's paper fish. It's not real fish. But it is any hooking mortality related to the bass fishermen and the tournament is going to be counted against the state's take. And, in effect, we're going to have to pay it back over the next three years because we're already over our quota. So how do they measure that? Because, I mean, call me stupid, but uh, there's no possible way they can see every fish that's caught in that huge lake. So how the heck do they come up with anywhere close of a number of what it is? You know, we could spend an hour on this, and I don't want to bore you with it, but they have uh, Creole census clerks that go to individual access points of the lake. They interview anglers that come off. They take that data. They expand it over every access point on the lake, which is a point of contention for us because with angler effort down as low as it is, I don't think the expansion methods they're using are accurate. I mean, if a boat launches at Agate Bay, that does not mean that it launched at 60 other sites. Another boat launched at 60 other sites around the lake, but they estimate angler effort based on that creel census. They figure out how many walleyes each person caught based on that, and they expand that to 
a, a theoretical total population, and then based on those fish caught, they did a study where they caught walleyes out in the lake, took them to a central net, deposited them in there, and waited for a while to see if they died. They estimate hooking mortality off of what their estimated catch is. So well, again, it's lake, so, so Dean, and I have yet to have a creel census guy or somebody come up and see me and ask me how many fish I've caught in a small boat or yet. In the last five years, I have. I, I think I've had one gentleman come over and, and talk to me about what I caught or whatever, and that was in the winter time. So I, I would have to say that the DNR are a bunch of hoo ha. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people that feel the same way. I mean, I don't have confidence in their hooking mortality numbers. I don't have confidence in uh, a lot of what they're doing in terms of estimating that hooking mortality. That's why I call them paper fish. I mean, they're not real fish. They're some calculation out in uh, uh, Never Never Land, and they use that to penalize the sportsmen, and I don't think it's right. I think there's so much error or potential in that uh, calculation that it's not good enough numbers to use. I mean, I'm not saying that they we shouldn't be charged with some hooking mortality, but I just don't believe the numbers they have are good enough to use to make the impact that they're making on the area in the lake. In this deal that was supposedly uh, made behind closed doors, so to speak, Dean, um, also it sounds like the big thing there was, the way I understand it, the, that the uh, anglers got 70% and the um, tribes... Uh, got uh, or the bands got thirty uh, percent, but now that's switching to fifty fifty on anything over sixty four thousand pounds. The original sixty four thousand pounds will still be seventy thirty. Anything beyond that is fifty fifty. I mean, the, the thing that bothers me is again, this isn't biological. This this looks like punitive damages to me. The the band is attempting to punish the state for going over, and they're going to make sure that they penalize the anglers in Minnesota as much as they can over the next three years for something that we really didn't have a say in. I mean, that's another issue I've raised with the DNR is why, if the, supposedly they knew that by going over, they would, uh, uh, basically it was against the regulations, it was uh, would well, yeah. why did uh, generate Dayton... this dispute resolution. Well, if they knew that, why did they go over? Why yeah, did, why did Dayton, that because didn't Dayton place, do that? Wasn't it Governor Dayton that said, hey, we need to keep this open an extra week because, you know, of whatever reason it was, I can't remember. But um, like you say, why would he do that if if he knew that possibly, I mean, he had to know that they were looking at possibly doing this if we continued to uh, keep the season open. Well, if he didn't know, he should have known. Someone from the DNR or the Attorney General's office should have advised him. I mean... Yes, it seemed like a nice gesture at the time, but it's had some pretty severe consequences on the citizens of Minnesota. And in retrospect, it was not a very responsible decision on his part. And, and the best part is, Dean, you know, they just jacked up all our license fees. They jacked up our hunt license, our, our fishing license, our shelter license. I mean, they've jacked up everything. Uh, do you think here in the next year or so that the boys at the DNR are all going to get a race? I can almost guarantee you they're all going to get a raise, and we're the one paying for it all. Yeah, that's certainly a good conclusion. You know, they might build a couple new buildings. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like, you know, I used to buy a bow license, a rifle license, a muzzleload license, a four-wheeler license. But guess what? I ain't buying it anymore. I'll buy my, my fishing license and my rifle license, but I'm not going to buy all the rest of the license anymore. I, I figure if I could 
keep a couple hundred bucks out of their pocket. Everybody else in the state did it. Well, maybe it'll hurt them in their pocketbooks. Yeah. It just it isn't fair to the people around here. I mean, they are not representing the citizens of Minnesota. I mean, the other thing we have questioned, uh, Commissioner Landwehr repeatedly has said we can't argue with them, we can't go back to court, we have to give them whatever they want. Um, he said that multiple times at the meeting over at Twin Pines. And I asked in my last uh, email to him, I said, what's the basis for this conclusion? I mean, to the best of my knowledge, neither he nor uh, Governor Dayton, our attorneys, so where are they getting this conclusion? I assume they're getting it from Attorney General Swanson, but has anybody independent, anybody that's not affiliated with the Democratic Party and has not received political contributions from the band, has anybody actually reviewed this decision and said, yes, you're right, you can't win? I mean, I, I urge them to have an independent national law firm that deals with uh treaty issues on a daily basis, have them review it and actually tell us what is the state's position, what are the state's options, because I don't have a lot of faith in what I'm hearing right now. I've heard the same thing for 20 years. No, you can't. Don't argue with them. Don't fight. Just give them what they want. And I just can't believe that that's the case. Well, I know this is on uh, my good friend Sue Jeffers' uh, radar, and she's a real fighter, and I'm, I know she probably knows some people in some higher places than I do. So uh, I'll get her... Uh, Hound Dog uh, knows on it, and uh, she'll uh, sniff out the truth for us, too, and uh, maybe we'll uh, get some answers to this. But we're unfortunately uh, running short on time, Dean, but uh, once again, can you uh, throw out your website so people can get a hold of you and uh, if they want to chat to you about this a little bit? You bet. My website is agatebayresort.com. My email is agatebay1956 at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can call me, 320 684 2233. I'd be happy to hear from anyone. Well, we appreciate your time and uh, keep up the fight, and hopefully, uh, we uh, see greener pastures and uh, more uh, fishing for us uh, folks up there at Malak soon. Sounds good. I hope so too. Thanks. Once again, Thanks. that was uh, Dean Hansen of uh, Agate Bay Resort. Just go to their website, Agate Bay agatebayresort.com if you'd like to get a hold of uh, Dean and he can uh, fill you in a little bit more and uh, a little more personal. We only have so much time here to chat on the radio, but uh, I also want to invite you to call in to 651-989-5855 is the number to call, 651-989-5855. And Kudak, I know you're going to be getting in trouble for the governor's deer opener, but my friend Charles Thayer from Crow River QDM is going to be joining us next. So we're going to find out. uh, They're they're a group that kind of is conservation, and also they're they're kind of trophy buck hunters. So they're doing everything they can, from what I understand, to to build that big base of uh, trophy bucks. So that should be a fun one. Well, yeah, and I'd like to ask him a few questions. I got some. I got some. A handful of questions to ask him. You know, about some stuff, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he has to say, because if he's a trophy guy, and they put food plots out, and they do this and they do that, I, I got a few questions for him, because I've been asking these questions for, for many years, and I've yet to get a good answer on it. Maybe he can, maybe he can enlighten me. Well, we were just chatting about that about a week or two ago, about uh, baiting deer, and... Uh... I'll put it this way. I think he's probably going to agree with you on some of that. So we'll find out if he uh, does. We'll chat with Charles Thayer here of Crow River QDM. Coming up next, Outdoor Adventures, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and com.
Adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Don't forget, you can download the free iHeartRadio app, Kudak. Do you have the free iHeartRadio app yet? Probably not on that flip phone, huh? No, I've still got the old flip phone when, it, when you <laughs> get me that new Android phone, then I'll get her. Well, you've had one now for two, three years. Yeah, it's still sitting in the drawer. i got to figure out how to turn it on. You're unbelievable. Well, Ava's going to come over and give me a class, I guess. She yeah, told me yeah, I've heard about her giving you classes before, just like your Facebook class you were going to get here about three years ago. Yeah, you know, you yeah, got to well, quit, run, gotta quit running around uh, the country all the time. It all takes time. We were all looking for gear stands this, morning, this afternoon. I was looking for ladder stands, two-man ladder stands, and I couldn't find none that I really like, so i got to go back looking again maybe tomorrow or Monday. Well, you better get one with bumpers on it or something, maybe a backpack with some uh, with some uh, boat cushions or something strapped to your back in case you fall down and go boom or something. You know, that could always happen when you're climbing a deer stand. I mean, I, I won't wish that on you, but, I mean, you never know. It could happen. I think I had that happen last year. <laughs> yeah, so we don't want that happening again, but... Uh, Having a little trouble getting a hold of our friend here, Charles Thayer, so hopefully uh, he'll uh, chat in here in just a minute. If you'd like to call in, we, we might have a uh, free-for-all here on a Saturday night here on Outdoor Adventures, so if you want to call in, 651-989-5855. We'll open up the phone lines if you have a question or comment about the show or anything outdoors in general. Um, you know, you, you might not get a 100% honest answer, but you'll get an answer, right, Kudak? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll... So I'll give them an answer, or we'll we'll figure out how to give them an answer one way or another. I want to remind a few po- the uh, people out there a uh, few things that are coming up here on the next couple of weeks. Uh, one is the MTT Championship. That's going to be up at Lake of the Woods. I think that's the first time they have been up there, from what I understand. No, no, MTT's no? been up there before. Okay, that's what, that uh, was a different one then. The Holtz, yeah, they've been up there before. Uh, I think it's, they've had a few of them up there. The MTT Championship's been up there. And then we got Nancy Kep as her tournament. I think it's, I know, I for That sure was today, today, yeah. Yeah, that's today. I'm sure the weigh-in is probably just about over. Yeah, uh, I'm actually, I have a text out to Nancy right now and uh, trying to get some information and trying to get a few results. But I know that's a big uh, tournament that's been going on for a lot of years. So. Well, and we got our buddy Joe Brickle from JT Rods and I, I seen a little poster a little bit ago. He had six fish in the box, and he was going to look for some upgrades. So uh, I believe he won that tournament a few years ago or yeah. a year ago. And he just won a tournament not too long ago, uh, last week or the week before, up at uh, Vermillion, I think it was, or somewhere up north. He just won a tournament. So he's on a roll. You know, the JT Rods that he built some of the nicest rods. He's, he's got some new stuff out for this winter, but I've yet to find out. So, uh, we're going to have to get him on here in the next, uh, next couple weeks and find out what he's got new for, for next winter. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that and, uh, getting out on the ice this winter. And I know I'm, uh, anxious to, uh, try out a few of his. In fact, uh, I think, uh, somebody I know still has one, uh, waiting for me. Uh, that's a summer rod, not a winter rod. Well, I can catch them on anything. You know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, the, you're the champion, I probably remember. Yeah, exactly. So the MTT Championship next Saturday at Lake of the Woods. Also uh, coming up, we chatted with Nicholas Cox of uh, Tonka Fishing here a few weeks back. I don't know if you remember that, Kudak, but uh, they have that uh, suicide prevention uh 
American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, a big uh, walleye tournament going out there. And they're also going to have a silent auction, a, a big walleye fish fry going on at your place, Kudak Lord Fletcher's on the 23rd, 5 to 9. Yeah, yeah. I, you better get the sidecar on. I might have to come down here. You might be chauffeuring me around. I definitely would. By the way, speaking of uh, sidecars, it was not a sidecar, but did you happen to see the post I put on our page here the other day? Uh, with you on the minibike? No, it was after that, but it was. Uh, I saw my first one in person. I'm sure there's plenty of them out there if you go to the cycle shows and stuff, but not something you see every day. I, I know that because uh, this is the first one I've seen in person, and I got to chat with the guy a little bit. But if you go to our uh, Outdoor Adventures there on Facebook, search Outdoor Adventures on Facebook, and there is a blacked out, and I think it was, he said, a 30-inch front tire on that thing, 30-inch rim. So it was raked out with a big, huge tire on the front, and then it actually had hydraulics in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. I did see it. It was a banger? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I did see it. You could buy me that for my birthday. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us real quick? i got to answer the phone here. Tell us real quick about your expedition this week. Well, I was up north uh, with a buddy looking at some property he bought, and... Uh, it was in the middle of no man's land, and it was gorgeous. It was a time where I, I didn't have to worry about the phone because there was no foreign service, and it was it was peace and quiet. And I will be making more trips up there, uh, some nice lakes. And we, we checked out some lakes. I, I can't wait to get up there and, and take some RPM jigs and uh, from custom jigs and spin and put them on a JT rod and go do, do some vertical jigging because I got a feeling a guy will have a field day on these lakes. Oh, for sure. So, uh, but make sure you check out, cause I couldn't believe it. And the funny thing is, is, you know, the more, more stuff you have, the more stuff that can go wrong, you know, so to speak. And, yeah. and this guy, I was out there and I was like, Oh, I got to get a video of this. This is cool. Because when I came up to it, it was sitting there and I'm like, there's no kickstand on this bike. And I looked at it and the, and the back fender was literally touching the concrete where it was parked. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So I found the guy who had it, and I ran into him outside, and he came up, and he said, well, yeah, I'll show it to you. Well, then, of course, he blew a fuse, so then he was worried he wasn't going to be able to get it home because he didn't know if he had a fuse on him because his compressor fuse went out, but he got it in there and, and got it. But uh, you can see that on our Facebook page. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing, probably a little bit uh, too steep for my pocketbook, but uh, who knows, someday maybe. Yeah, I know. I I seen that. Now you mentioned, yeah, that's a pretty cool deal. Well, let's bring our guess who uh, guess who the uh, dog dragged in. Well, I suppose it's the guy that deer. I think he probably probably got lost. He couldn't find his way. His GPS broke down. No, well, actually, it's our uh, good friend Jerry Sather, and he just got done running some dogs. He's at a, some big hoopla. Where are you at, Jerry? We're up here in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, running another test, the same place I was at when we talked last time. And uh, sorry about that. I was just got done running my last dog here. And uh, so we are, we're just finishing up for the day, and we have one more day to run tomorrow. Well, we have about a minute before we go to break here. Uh, I know you have some other things uh, you wanted to bring up. But first, uh, before we go to break, um, how'd things go today? How'd the dogs turn? You know, it really well. We ran a double master test up here, which for a lot of dogs to sit through. Um, both uh, or all three dogs passed yesterday, and we got through the first two series today. 
So, so far we're doing very good. Uh, we have a little bit left to finish up tomorrow, but we'll see how that goes. And, and so far, so good. Excellent. We're chatting with Jerry Sather of Labs Unlimited Kennels, and uh, we'll have more with him. And, and we like to always have a little fun with Jerry, too, so I'm sure there'll be a little of that coming up next year for the final segment of Outdoor Adventure. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. This is the voice as they stand in line. The smell of gun grease and their bayonets they shine. He's there to help them all that he can. To make them feel wanted, he's a good holy man. Yeah, I didn't forget about you, Kudak. Well, you're both done. You're playing some good music. Yeah, that is a good one. Eric Burton and the Animals, a little Sky Pilot. Yeah, yeah, back in the good old days. Yeah, those probably were the good old days when you could actually get away with stuff. That's probably why you're not in the Hooskow right now. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> we're chatting with our good friend uh, Jerry Sather here of uh, Labs Unlimited Kennel. Just uh, wrapped up uh, another run with his uh, dogs there, and... Uh, I know you had some other stuff you wanted to chit-chat about here, uh, some recent happenings there at Labs Unlimited Kennels, Jerry. Yeah, you know, this is the last hunt test of the year for us, and, and the reason we run these, these hunt tests is we're looking for dogs that, you know, that we want to breed, that we want to, you know, produce and, and reproduce. And, and the hunt test game that we play, you know, the cream rises to the top, and the dogs that are capable of doing this level of work are the dogs that we want to reproduce. And sometimes it becomes really easy for these dogs, and this is hard. Some of the stuff they feel with these dogs, what they have to be able to do, it's complicated. And there's maybe 10% of the dogs that we train are capable of doing this level of work. So when you're looking at buying a puppy, look for dogs that have these kind of titles, because even though you're never going to compete with them, these dogs have the intelligence, the looks, the desire, and the athletic ability, and they learn faster and they're genetic, you know, I mean, everything that you're looking for, these dogs will do. And, you know, sometimes this comes easy, you know, sometimes, you know, and the master passes, to get a master title, you need six master passes. And some of these dogs, they get it right away and they understand it. You know, and those are the, I shouldn't say easy, but they, they just come along a little bit faster. But the ones that I remember the most, and we just had one this year, uh, dog's name is Torque, uh, Golden Retriever that we trained, and didn't come easy for him. But all we look for in any of these dogs is give us that effort. And if you give us that effort, you know, that's all I ask out of any of them. And then we'll find out with a little bit of extra work. And those are the dogs I remember more, the dogs that we had to put the extra time in, the extra drill, the extra training, you know, and then all of a sudden that light bulb goes off, and, and Clark is definitely one of them, uh, one of the most rewarding dogs I've had. You know, it didn't come easy. He definitely had some... some uh, missteps along the way, I'd put it that way, but uh, when he was good, he was really good, and when he was bad, he was really bad, so sometimes it just takes a little bit of effort, but he's the dog that you remember 10 years from now, because it took that little bit of extra effort to get to the finish line. And wasn't that the one you changed for, you trained for a bunch of years, Jerry? I did. You know, a lot of my, a lot of my clients would start out as clients, turn into really good friends in this business, and... These people are one of them. Um, turned out as clients, and I would I would consider them very very close friends now. And 
I trained the, the guy's wife's dog first, and he was an absolute rock star. Um, these dogs, they don't come along like him very often, and they did a breeding with the dog, and the female are bred too, you know, and she brings half the equation to the table. So that's why we're real selective on the sire and the mother that we breed to, because half can be like mom, half can be like dad. And the, the female they're bred to, she was, she was good, but I wouldn't consider her great. I had her down in Texas training one year, and her weakness was the water work. And, and this is what really separates the exceptional dogs from the average dogs, is how good they are in the water. And she was just a little weak in the water. Well, this breeding produced some nice dogs out of it, um, but Torque would show flashes of brilliance, just like his dad. And then every once in a while, he would have a day that um, he would just fall apart. And it, it took a little bit while, a little bit longer for him to mature. But they allowed me to stick to it and work through the issues. And I tell you, it made it a lot more rewarding when we finally crossed that finish line with a master title. And you got, you said you have another litter, Jerry, that you're you're uh, going to train and start selling. We do. We have a couple breedings coming up here that we're really excited about. Um, and I'm running, I'm running the mother this weekend. I'm a corner with the dog, and, and she's one of these rock stars that, that you know, guys like me wait a lifetime for a dog like her to come along. And we're, we're looking at three different stud dogs that we're going we're gonna to put her with, and, and we're just trying to come up with the right combination of, you know, temperament, athletic ability, marking ability. There's so much that goes into this that the average person doesn't understand or realize what we're trying to do. Um, so, I mean, that's when you look, and I get a lot of my clients that I train for that say, hey, I'm never going to compete with this dog. I don't need a dog like that. Well, even though you're never going to compete with them, I ask them right away, do you want a smart, athletic dog that can play at the highest level? Well, absolutely. Well, then take a look at the pedigree. Pedigree will tell you everything you need to know about these dogs. Um, and that's what we're trying to reproduce is very selective on our breeding program. And if, if they can't attain a master title or an FC, which means field champion, it, it kind of knocks them out of our breeding program. And in this game, when you get to the advanced level stages, the cream definitely rises to the top. And that's the whole purpose we're here this weekend. Yeah, it is insane what you can do with those dogs. And if you're out there and you've never seen one of these competitions, I mean, it's it's amazing what those dogs can do and how bright they are. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your clients probably wish their kids listen as well as their dog do, huh? <laughs> and, you know, the four things we look for is looks, intelligence, desire, and athletic ability. And if you have all four of those, you're going to have a great dog. And, and sometimes when you do a, a breeding with, with all of that, you know, there's some dogs that are really good and some dogs that aren't so good. And, and some dogs that like torque that you just got to put that little extra effort in. But all we ever look for, all I look for is a dog that gives me that effort. If you give me the effort every day, we'll, we'll take you as far as you can go. And like say, he, there were some days he was the best dog on my trailer. And there was other days it was like, wow, what did that dog I had go yesterday? And a lot of that was just immaturity. Yep. It just took him a little bit while longer, and then all of a sudden the light bulb went on, and, and there we go. And, and I tell you what, it's, it's very rewarding to take somebody to that level that, you know, we weren't sure they were going to get there, and all of a sudden we did. And, you know, and, and you need six master passes to have a title. And the average is like 12 to 13 attempts to, to get there. Um, and, and some, and it's not a cheap game to play and some owners let you work through it and some, you know, some don't. And luckily these owners let me work through a couple issues and all of a sudden he knocked it out of the park and, and we finished him up and it was, uh, he's one of those dogs that I'll never forget. 
and they have turned into, I mean, family friends that that I'll have for the rest of my life, which turns, you know, I see that a lot in this game. You know, people turn out as clients, and next thing you know, I've known them 25 years yeah. and, and uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, where can people, if they want a top-notch dog, a hunting dog, or just a uh, family pet, where can uh, they find more information on what you do, Jerry? You know, go right to our website, com. Shoot me an email, and, and I'll tell you what we have going for breedings, but I'm also... I'm real selective on who I send people to. Um, so I, there's the right people to look at, and there's the wrong people to look at. So um, get in touch with me, and, and I'll, I'll definitely steer you in the right direction. And Kudak, uh, you know we always like to have a little fun with Jerry, and we've asked him over the years <laughs> here, um, you know, can you train my dog to fetch a beer? Can you train my dog to, you know, fetch my slippers? Can you train my dog to, to you know, pull my fish house out on the lake? Uh, and I, I thought of one here the other day. I, do you think you could train a dog? And you, we haven't stumped him yet, Kudak. That's the funny thing. Well, I mean, he, know, he can train been, it any way it sounds like. He's been doing it for a few years, and, and you know what? Uh, I don't know. There, I'm going to have to put my mind to it because I know he could twist the auger in half. I watched Jerry yep. do that. I think we need to have a uh, stump Jerry Sather uh, dog training moment, and the one I have for him this time. We only got about two minutes left here, but uh, you know, help, good help is hard to find with my uh, lawn and snow stuff that I do. Uh, Jerry, is is it possible to train a dog to either Run a push mower, a zero turn, and or a snowblower. <laughs> I tell you what, if we could hitch him up to something, we could probably get him to do it. But uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at figuring out what dogs can can and can't do. That might be a tough one to do, but you know, hell, I'd give it a try. I was gonna say, if you could do that, I might be the richest lawn guy in town. Uh, how about how about training Stan? <laughs> well, I I don't know if Stan's trainable or not. Um, that's something that uh, that might be out of my league right there. Yeah, I've had uh, 40 bad years of uh, non-training, so it's going to be a tough one to turn me around, that's for sure. Once again, Jerry, uh, thanks for uh, checking in with us, and uh, congratulations on your uh, trip today. And uh, one more time, how can people get a hold of you? Get a hold of us at our, at our website, labsandlimitedkennels.com. Shoot me an email, and uh, we'll get her going. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, Jerry, and you enjoy the uh, weekend here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jerry. Well, our uh, our dog, uh, our dear guys, will have to have, have him on next week. Yeah, I think uh, maybe he was having a uh, maybe a couple and uh, maybe uh, forgot about us. I'm thinking he's probably sitting on the deck, or or I was just looking online. I think what he's actually doing. I think he's so damn excited from what he's been seeing on his trail cam that he just got so dang giddy that he forgot about us. Well, you you schedule them for next weekend. So next weekend we'll have the deer hunters. I will have them on first segment, and we'll get uh, we'll we'll get uh, somebody for the I'll get somebody for the second segment. But you, because uh, I I would like to get the deer guy out there because I got a bunch of questions and uh, stuff to throw by him. Excellent, and uh, you waiting to hear back from Nancy Kep, so we will uh, have the results of uh, the Kep's uh, Walleye uh, Championship uh, here next week on Outdoor Adventures as well. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, search Outdoor Adventures. You can also uh, follow us on the iHeartRadio app. We have our own channel, even Kudak. Search uh, Outdoor Adventures on iHeartRadio. Click the follow button, and uh, you'll get a notification every time we post a new episode. And then you can listen to Outdoor Adventures anytime, anywhere in the world, um, any continent, anywhere, anytime. 
on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, you can also listen to Twin Cities News Talk there anytime as well. Thanks for tuning in to Outdoor Adventures. Black Democrat, Black Republican, coming up next here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Thanks for listening to 